Phone lines are wide open. I'm ready for your calls. You've got questions. We've got answers. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks so much for joining us on the Line of Fire. Michael Brown, blessed to be with you. You've got questions. We've got answers the way we do it on every Friday. Any question you have that relates to anything we've ever talked about on the Line of Fire, any area of expertise I have whatsoever, you just want my opinion on something and think I could be helpful, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. And as always, with very little success, but... As always, I give the invitation to skeptics, critics, mockers to call and share your differences with me, but very few do. But let's try again. Anyway, uh, tonight, God willing, 9 o'clock Eastern time, so it's about six hours from now, I plan to do a talk on our Facebook page, ASKDR Brown, Ask Dr. Brown Facebook page. I plan to do a talk about coronavirus, the Bible, end times, what our attitude should be. I think you'll find it helpful. I've written on it as well. And then yesterday's broadcast, we went through Psalm 91 in Hebrew just to encourage us that there is a place of refuge in him in the midst of the storms of life. All right, 866-34-TRUTH. To the phones, we start with Robert in Sanford, North Carolina. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Thanks for calling. Good afternoon, Doctor. Good afternoon. I wanted to... uh... I wanted to try to take an opportunity to ex- exclaim on uh, Isaac Newton's interpretation on uh, Daniel 70 weeks. He, he has a way of interpreting the verse 25 there, where it says, When the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks, restored two weeks. Uh, he says that, and I agree with him, that uh, since the seven weeks would refer to the second coming of Christ and the 62 weeks for the birth of Christ. Um, as a matter of fact, in the next verse tells us that after the 62 weeks, Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself, which distinguishes which one is which. Uh, it doesn't say after the 62 plus the 7, or after 69, but after 62 weeks, he's cut off. Um, and yeah, the, in the, the problem, the, yeah, the, the problem, sir, with, with reading it like that is it's, with all respect to the genius of Isaac Newton, it's a completely unnatural way to, to read the Hebrew text. That's the first thing. The second thing is that the weeks are clearly consecutive, that you have a period of seven weeks, period of 62 weeks, and period of one week, obviously weeks of, of years, and that this is what's going to happen during the days of the Second Temple. So the te- Second Temple is going to be built, and then, uh, so after that period of time, it's probably the period of seven weeks, then the uh, the coming of the Messiah, his death, payment for our sins, and then the destruction of the temple. So that's all chronologically what happens. 927 ends with the destruction of the second temple. So uh, it's it's a highly unlikely reading, and especially to, to put things in that, that different order, to separate the seven weeks from the 62 in that regard. Well, Isaac Newton explains the uh, the half week instead of the midst of the week, showing that the, the uh, destruction of the temple in 
uh, early in the first century was that fulfillment. He, instead of using midst of the week, he uses the term half week, which shows a three-and-a-half-year destruction. Of the temple. Yeah, and what does he say happens in the second half of the week? Um, it's not a second half of a week. It's only a half a week. Uh, but it does say 70 weeks are determined, not 69 and a half weeks. Yes, and, yes, and he, 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 he explains that to say that that is the 70 weeks that takes you up to a one year, I mean, seven years past the cross when uh, the uh, God left the uh, and went to the Gentiles. Right. Yeah, The again, the biggest issue I have is the separating of the seven weeks from, from the 62, not to say it's seven followed by... 62. And that, that's why it would not be a, an opinion that would be largely followed by other scholars. So, you know, the passage we agree has mystery in it and symbolism in it in terms of the language, but the chronological order that it's talking about the rebuilding of the temple, the coming of the Messiah, his death for our sins, and then the destruction of the temple, which takes place in the year 70, that this, this is, that's the parameter within which everything unfolds. So, with all respect to Isaac Newton, don't see it. So last thing, what do you find compelling? Why do you find it compelling to, to separate those seven weeks from the 62 and put it in a totally different time period? Well, for one thing, the, the uh, prophecy has been fulfilled in 1980. The Knesset passed the law in 1980, which declared Jerusalem to be the capital of Israel. It set uh, the Supreme Court, the Knesset, the government, and... Uh, all the government of, of, of Israel was set to be in the capital of Jerusalem in 1980, which would begin the seven weeks. And seven weeks would be up, then that would be the, the coming of um, Messiah yeah, the Prince, which is the... Yeah, you know, basically, Not, yeah, basically what you're doing is saying that ABC comes after XYZ, or 123 comes after 98, 99, 100. It's just, it doesn't work like that. There's, there's an order... And uh, if you pull those seven weeks out, put them in the future, I mean, it's, it's, it's a complete backhanded way of, of reading it. It's an impossible way of reading it, to be frank. And uh, Jerusalem was declared the capital of... Uh, it doesn't even say Jerusalem is going to be declared the capital. It's got nothing to do with that, sir. So the 1980 date is just... It, it's off. I, I don't mean to be insulting, but it's, it's not what it's talking about. It's certainly not what it's talking about. Being rebuilt, being rebuilt, temple being rebuilt, that's what was talked about. Not Jerusalem being recognized as the capital. And that happened long before 1980, in any case. But thank you for the call, sir. I appreciate it. 866-34-TRUTH. We go to Chattanooga, Tennessee. Bob, welcome to the line of fire. Hey, thank you, Michael. Hey, look, my, my question is about the, uh, young, the young age of the earth or the old age. And I just stumbled on something in my Bible reading today, and I wanted to bring it up to see if you'd ever heard this before. Mm-hmm. Uh, What's this guy's name, Dr. I think it's Hugh Ross, that says the creation event occurred 13.6 billion years ago, and that male and female, mankind was created about 40,000 to 50,000 years ago. But I was reading in Mark today, and it says, in the beginning of creation, God created male and female. And I wanted to see if I could find a cross-reference, and I did in Matthew 19.4. Right. And he also says, in the beginning. The God, you know, in the beginning. So there's only one beginning. And look, I know this is not a salvific question, but doesn't this give some credence to the young earth? Because if you've got 13.6 billion years and then man comes along 40 or 50,000 years ago, 
And that word beginning is, I think, RK in the Greek. It's the same word in John 1 1. What do, you, mm-hmm. do you make anything of that at all? Yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I think it's a good argument to make. Uh, I, I'm sure the old earth creationists have an answer for it. And as you mentioned, this is not a salvific issue. I've, I've got a video, a Q&A video out called Why I'm Not Dogmatic on the Creation Account uh, in, in terms of young earth versus old earth. But yes, your argument is, is a sound argument. Your argument makes sense that it would seem that the creation of the universe, to, uh, the creation of, of human beings took place shortly after the creation of the universe, all of which could be called in the beginning, uh, you know, others would say in the beginning, it just means the beginning of the creation of the human race and you're reading too much into it. But uh, putting it together the way you did, uh, Septuagint for Genesis 1-1 uses RK, and then you mentioned John 1-1 using RK, and the same thing here. Yeah, it's, it's a good argument. Uh, you, you, it's, it's a fair one to present to make your point and say, isn't that the most natural reading of the text that human beings were created in the beginning, along with the rest of the heavens and the earth. So you're, you're not reading too much into it to make that point. Again, old earth creationists would have an answer, but you make a great point, and it's soundly argued. So, well done. Thank you, Michael. You're very welcome. All right, 866-34-TRUTH. Hey, one quick thing I just want to mention to you is that with all of the fear right now and concern, we don't want to act in fear with the virus or anything. And, and the consistent message I've seen from Christian leader after Christian leader is don't fear, don't fear, don't fear, don't panic. If we know the Lord, if we're in right relationship with God, we don't panic, all right? We, now there may be some situations, there's a fire, everybody get out, quick, quick, hurry, hurry, okay? But our lifestyle is not one of, pan, oh, what are you gonna, I, I, no, no, we're, we're at peace before God in the midst of a storm, in the midst of calamity, in the midst of chaos. Um, but we use wisdom. All right, I had a meeting tonight canceled, a meeting next Saturday canceled, uh, California big conference canceled, and then a lecture series in New York canceled. So uh, one already in March and three in April thus far. And it's interesting, in California, a big conference, pastor on Sunday morning said it's on, we're going ahead with the conference. But the mayor of his city made an executive order, no large gatherings. So we're going to use all the wisdom we can use. We live by that, but we don't panic. We don't live in fear. At the same time, everything we're doing right now, you can pick up the phone and call without fear of virus. We can do everything we're doing in video, get our message out, try to bring encouragement, hope, strength. So take advantage of this opportunity. You may not be able to get to all the meetings you want to, but you can interact here on live radio and Internet TV. 866-34-TRUTH. We go to David in Southern California. Welcome to the line of fire. Hi, Dr. Brown. Thanks for taking my call. Sure thing. Uh, just wanted to ask for some quick advice from you. Um, so right now, I'm kind of torn in between two different paths. Uh, on the one hand, I feel as though I should, you know, go to trade school and, you know, support my family by, you know, doing this career thing, right? But then on the other hand, I really feel in my heart that God has called me to full-time ministry to uh, go study biblical literature and, and, and kind of do similar stuff to what um, you're doing right now in terms of uh, mission work, in terms of, you know, podcasting and radio shows and stuff like that, and also building the House Church Network and those kind of things, right? But I'm trying to reconcile how I just jump into that and kind of risk the financial burden and putting that on my wife. 
and I'm, I'm newly married about a year and a half in, but really wanting to start a family and wanting to support my family, but also recognizing that, you know, the academic studies thing isn't, isn't an immediate return. Um, I just wanted to ask your advice on how I should approach this. Uh, my heart before God is obviously like, I believe that he's going to provide for me. I believe that he's going to open up the doors that need to be open, but also wanting to have some kind of like practical wisdom in approaching this. Yep. Sure thing. So I would encourage you, well, tell you what, I would encourage you to wait a second because I got a break coming up (laughs) in this way. (laughs) Rather than giving you a 10-second answer, I can answer in a little more depth. But I'm going to also read an interesting verse to you from the end of Proverbs 27. So stay right there, and we will be right back. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. You've got questions. We've got answers. 866-34-TRUTH. That is the number to call. Remember, tonight, 9 o'clock, starting right around 9 p.m. Eastern Time, on our Facebook page, Ask Dr. Brown, Ask Dear Brown. I'll just be doing a talk specifically about coronavirus, Bible, our attitude, our thoughts on it, and I'll field some questions then as well. All right, so uh, David, back to you. What I'd encourage you first and foremost to do is provide for your family, all right? And uh, if you remember, uh, the apostles were uh, had jobs when Jesus called them and seemed that they were still doing work at different times. We know that Paul did it as a lifestyle, but uh, I was... Uh, in college, then we got married, then I, I worked part-time, then I worked full-time, and I, I worked my way through grad school. And then while I was getting my doctorate, uh, finishing up my doctoral dissertation, working my doctoral dissertation, that's when then I got uh, called to, to leave my job and begin to teach at a Bible school. But up until then, I was working a job, different sales jobs, things like that, to provide for our family, uh, wife and children. And, and uh, ministry is done outside of a paycheck for years. Yeah. In other words, you're, you're praying, you're witnessing, you're doing what you know how to do, you're, you're serving in different ways. And then if there's a vocational calling that requires further training, God will open the doors for that. He'll either bring you into someone's life where you can be mentored by someone, or uh, he'll open up a door for online classes, or he'll, he'll provide for you to go to, to full-time school in some other setting. But there's an interesting verse in Proverbs 27, and it says, uh, Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds, for riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. When the hay is removed and the tender grass shows itself and the herbs of the mountains are gathered in, the lambs will provide your clothing and the goats the price of a field. You shall have enough goat's milk for your food, for the food of your household and the nourishment of your maidservants. Now, I know it's, it's a different proverb, proverbial saying about something on another subject level. But it it just comes to mind in terms of put first things first and care for your family, meet those needs, and do whatever ministry you know how to do in the meantime. Uh, I was I was 
preaching on street corners and sharing the gospel with people long before I preached from a pulpit. You know, I was I was teaching the Bible in church settings many years before I was I was paid to teach at a Bible school. And so much of what I do to this day, I don't get paid to do. I do it out of love for the Lord, not of, out of burden. So you put those things first, and God will cause other things to fall into place. The other thing is you may get so intensely burdened and brokenhearted to see God work and to touch a dying world that the, it creates a deeper prayer desperation out of which God will birth things. You do that, God will provide the rest, all right? Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Brown. I really appreciate it. I actually also enrolled in uh, online school ministry for fire school. Uh, oh, so awesome! The application, yeah, last week, and yeah, getting the transcripts all together. So making those steps forward while working a full time job. Yeah, thank you that's, so much. That I mean, really, yeah, really that's an ideal thing to do with with online school because you can do things more at your pace, and and fit it into your schedule. You don't have to be at a certain place. Like when I was in grad school, I I worked four and a half days a week because one afternoon I'd have to leave early to go into grad school to take a, a late afternoon and early evening class. And that was uh, the way I had to do it. If it was online situation, I could have done it, you know, just in the evening or something else. So great. We'll be glad to have you as a student, David. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. All right. 866-34-TRUTH. Hey, friends, find out about our School of Ministry. Uh, It's an incredible way to study online. Uh, A full two-year program. If you want to go on for further studies, bachelor's, master's, the credits can be transferred to other schools that will recognize them. Uh, most notably the King's University in Dallas, and you can continue your studies online there, but you'll get blessed, you'll get stirred, or you can just take some of our, our popular video classes. We just released our new class on Hebrews that anyone could take. You don't have to have transcripts, apply to the school, just anyone could take that. The Superiority of Jesus in Hebrews 13 studies. Uh, take advantage of it. Go to fireschoolofministry.com, fireschoolofministry.com. All right, um, we go to uh, Gus, Gus in San Diego, California. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Hello. Hi, Dr. Uh, hey. Sorry. <laughs> Just come in myself on the... Okay. So, um, hi, Dr. Brown. Hey, go ahead. Okay. So, um, have you... Um, have you familiarized yourself with um, Mr. Ariel Cohen Aloro? Yeah, he's got uh-huh. a website called Facing Each Other. Yep, yep, I know who he is, and we okay. ran into each other at random once in Jerusalem. Okay, okay, yeah, I had the chance of um, meeting him up in Jerusalem and speaking with him. At first, uh, the idea of what he was saying seemed like to make a lot of sense. I was really excited about it until. I spoke to him personally, and there was one thing that came up to my attention is that, um, and I, want, I was wanting to, to know what, what's your take on, on his yeah. view. Yeah, so what what was it that concerned you? What was the one point? Um, well, so he believes that um, the, his rabbi uh, told him that uh, he has to have a backup, a community that backs him up, primarily Christians and attending Jews. Uh, to, to back him up, to for him to be able to organize that, that debate between the rabbis to recognize uh, Jesus, Yeshua, as the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Um, however, um, what came to my attention is that he 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 said, "Well, I haven't uh, accepted Jesus into my heart because Jews don't need to do that." Right. So um, so here's how I look at it, and uh, for those uh, who are not familiar with this gentleman, he's an Orthodox Jew in Jerusalem. 
and he wants the Jewish community to reverse its verdict against Jesus, going back to New Testament times, reverse its historic rejection of him as the Messiah, and to suggest that he could be Mashiach ben Yosef, uh, a Messiah who, who comes and suffers and dies uh, and prepares the way for Mashiach ben David, the true and real Messiah, and he feels that this is a, a redemptive thing that can be done. To me, uh, Gus, I look at this as a step. I look at this as something that God is doing in the Jewish community to further open hearts and minds to who Yeshua is. The fact that it's an Orthodox Jew saying it is significant. Does that mean he's all the way there or that he's a believer himself? No, it doesn't. But God can work in these ways. I expect God to work in ways that would be unconventional to us to get Jewish people to begin to reconsider who Jesus is. My new book, Resurrection, does that very thing, trying to get traditional Jews to to look at one of the most famous rabbis of the last generation, one of the most influential Jewish leaders in uh, in modern history, to look at his life and then to say, okay, but here's where it falls short, and now look at the one who is the Messiah, Yeshua, the the one and only. So... Uh, again, look at it. But don't as take a, the baby out with the bathwater. In other words, yeah, yeah, exactly. God could be working through this, even though this gentleman is not there yet fully and doesn't know the Lord Himself. You think, well, why would He even want to do it? That's what I'm saying. God could be working through it, uh, so it is a something pointing in the right direction. But ultimately, it's going to have to be the clear gospel message of forgiveness of sin through the death and resurrection of Jesus Yeshua, the one and only Messiah. Hey, thank you for the question. Much appreciated. 866-342. And to be clear, Jews need Jesus to be saved, just like Gentiles need Jesus to be saved. To be perfectly clear, for those that aren't clear on that. All right, um, let's go to Seth in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Welcome to the line of fire. Um, hey, Dr. Brown. Um, I'm actually in Ashland. I don't know why they said Pittsburgh, but hey, thank you for Either having way. me on. Yep, we're good. Thanks. Um, okay, so um, you probably so you consider yourself a charismatic, and there's a lot of people that consider themselves continuationists. I just wanted to know: is there a difference between the two? Are they the same? If not, or if they're the same or not, then why? Yeah, it's it's all terminology. Uh, Every charismatic and Pentecostal, by definition, is a continuationist in that we believe that the gifts and power of the Spirit mentioned in the New Testament continue to this day, all right? A Pentecostal, Mm -hmm. I'm also Pentecostal, Pentecostals believe in a baptism of the Spirit subsequent to salvation for empowerment for service with speaking in tongues uh, being a very common evidence of that. Many charismatics would not point to it that experience as much as saying that there are various ways the Holy Spirit will work through us and, and tongues, etc., is one of them. Uh, but a lot of it is just terminology. Some, some people like to use continuationist because it's just a theological term, and it does not therefore associate you with a Pentecostal denomination or a charismatic movement or a particular preacher or leader. Um, but beyond that, I don't really know a, a difference between saying I'm continuationist and I'm charismatic, other than the association with certain people, you know, uh, whereas you can just say I'm, I'm a continuationist and you're making a theological statement. When you say I'm charismatic, you're making a theological statement, but it may associate you with a TV preacher or this group or that group, 
And many people would say, I don't associate with those groups. I just believe these things are for today. So it's, okay. it's really it's semant- it's semantics more than anything. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm, I consider myself a charismatic. Uh, I believe that the gifts of tongues are for today. Um, but, you know, Paul says, you know, not all will have, um, you know, the gift of speaking in tongues. Um, you know, if God were to give me the gift of speaking in tongues, uh, that would be awesome. But we obviously recognize, you know, in, as it says in Psalm 115, verse 3, our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases, right? Yeah, here's what I would do, Seth. I would say, Father, give me everything that you want to give me so I can serve you most effectively, know you most intimately, and declare you most powerfully to a dying world. Everything you have, let it overflow in me for your glory and for the good of this world. And then you love him and trust him and honor him. Hey, thank you for the call, Seth. I appreciate it. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, welcome to the broadcast. Thanks for joining us today. It's Friday, which means you've got questions. We've got answers. If you missed yesterday's show where we went through Psalm 91 in Hebrew with constant application to the crisis we're in right now with the coronavirus, You can get that video. You can watch it on our Ask Dr. Brown website, AskDrBrown.org, or on the YouTube channel, Brown on YouTube. And then tonight, about five and a half hours from now, 9 o'clock Eastern time, excuse me, be doing a talk on the coronavirus, the Bible, the end times, where these things fit, where do they not fit, and answering some questions as well over at our Facebook page, Ask Dr. Brown. All right, let's go over to Dwayne in Cincinnati, Ohio. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Thank you, Dr. Brown. Um, I am a currently pastor of a small church. I've been here going on, well, it's been over 10 years. Um, Mm -hmm. Started out with a few people. It's a very small building, just grew to... 40, 45 at one point. Um, for many reasons, we've gone down uh, to 10 to 12. Um, we've seen um, outreach to uh, those suffering with addictions. We've seen that ministry have to stop. We've seen our children's ministry of nine years have to stop. We do have another ministry that we do that's really, really good, and, and it's Lord's helping. But um, I struggle a lot with, have struggled with a lot of things, uh, what people think, kind of, you know, that. I just read a book on called The Audience of One, um, you know, trying to help me with that. Yeah. And uh, so I am considering, been considering leaving for quite a while. A lot of our issues started about, you know, seven years ago. Um, right now, there's no problems in the church. Everyone's united. There's great love. But I have 
I feel like, in a way, with everything that's happened, and because I do take things very deeply, unfortunately, um, that I have um, almost grown to a place where I'm, I'm kind of, um, I just don't know what to expect anymore. I, I, yeah. I do my mm-hmm. best. I, I, I preach. I, I do what I can. But the, it's like the fire is gone. Uh, right. the, the zeal is gone. <clears throat> And yeah, I, Dwayne, I just, it's 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 un, yeah. it's understandable when you serve and, and labor for years, and then years later you you have what seems to be tiny tiny results, and uh, even decrease from from where you were at your at your height. So obviously you have to be obedient to the Lord first and foremost, right? And and if He says this is what I called you to do, do it, then then you remain faithful and and honor Him. But many times we stick around out of our own tenacity, out of our own refusal to quit or back down, and it's not always in, uh, in obedience to God at all. In other words, he may not be calling us to do a particular thing during a season. Uh, we had a situation with our, our school that we had birthed in the midst of the Brownsville Revival that uh, at its height was almost 1,200 full-time students and that presently has grads serving in ministry all around the world, doing amazing work. But uh, as we relocated and the school got small, it got to 100, then less, and got smaller and smaller. We kept doing it for years until it became clear God was not sending us new students physically uh, at that season. So we put everything in an online program, and now we're growing the online program. Uh, But we came to that conclusion, okay, it's not a failure. It's the end of this season. So we, we shut that down. Uh, because we did what we knew how to do to bring in new people, and, and clearly God wasn't sending them. So uh, what I'd encourage you to do is is ask yourself if it might be better for you to be serving in another setting with other leaders in a ministry that's done the plowing and, and is strong and healthy, where you can then kind of get rebuilt, where the, the fervor, the faith, the vision comes back, and you can serve in the context of, of another church, and then out of that, as you're kind of reinvigorated and full of vision, then you can be sent back out or be, be put in a place where you can serve in leadership in other ways. In other words, there are many, many ways to fulfill a pastoral calling along with being the senior pastor of, of one church. And uh, if, 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 you were, if that was an option for you, sir, and you were honestly thinking about, okay, where can I go where I could throw myself in with my family and grow and just get encouraged for a little while and also be a blessing, have opportunity to serve? Do you know a church like that? Do you have any colleagues that would, would welcome your presence? Well, I, I uh, spoke with you some time ago, and, if, and, and I, I, am, I came from a very strict uh, Wesleyan Holiness Pentecostal background okay. uh, because I have kind of left some of that. I have been... Uh, pretty much ostracized and and uh, kind of pushed away. Um, there are places that are not real close to me that I would possibly uh, go to, uh, and you know. But I, I honestly would have to say, not not anywhere that I used to be affiliated with. Got it. I, I yeah. Well, it, it could be time for a. A brand new beginning, sir. So, so first, you know, say, Lord, if you want me here for the rest of my life, if you want me here for three people, I'll obey you and I'll honor you. 
But my sense, Dwayne, is, is that God wants to bring you into a, a place of refreshing. Obviously, having a church of 10 people is, is not going to pay your own personal bills, so you, you have to have a work situation anyway. But I, I, would, I would look for what struck me as the healthiest, most thriving church around, whether it's an hour away or half hour away. Uh, I, I'd look for that, and, and I'd start to visit. And if I felt I, I, could see, I could see being part of this, then I would go, I'd make an appointment with one of the pastors, with a senior pastor if possible, and say, hey, I pastored a church for years. We just, we just shut it down. And, um, and then share your situation. And, and it could well be that you get strengthened there and that you find new relationships, new connection, that God infuses life in you. And then it may be, hey, could you lead a home group for us? Or, hey, uh, you know, we need help in this area. And then you begin to grow on that. Or it could be you get strengthened and then the Lord sends you out to plan something new. So, Lord, we pray for Dwayne that you guide him, that you give him wisdom, that you show him the way. Bring him and his family into paths of much life, joy, vision, faith, and productivity. In Jesus' name, amen. He's faithful, Dwayne. Thank you for calling and, and sharing this with us. Hey, do you remember, oh, a couple weeks back, we got a call. We just put the caller on the air. Kendra, I believe her name was, kind of an emergency, uh, 39 weeks pregnant and suddenly no, no heartbeat and was told she was going to deliver a stillborn baby. Uh, we prayed, we cried out. Uh, they delivered the baby. The baby was stillborn. They prayed for resurrection um, and and did not receive the answer to their prayers. So we received a follow-up email, and they're, they're really hurting, as you can imagine. So uh, I was told to go ahead and share these things. So just, just wanted you to be praying for this family, that God would bring comfort. Those of you who've lost children, especially in situations like that, all the more pray because you can relate to what the mom and dad are going through right now. Pray for grace faith, encouragement in the midst of this terrible loss and this pain. And thank you for praying for a miracle along the way. Um, all right, we go to Phoenix. Christian, welcome to the line of fire. Hello, Dr. Brown. It's funny hey. you brought up the fire school ministry a couple of times. I enrolled in one class this semester, and I can't imagine stopping now because I'm really enjoying the Bible well, study class. Great. Uh, all right. Good. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be, uh, I'll be doing an online session with the students. I don't know when it's on the calendar, but that'll be coming up soon. So I'll be looking forward to meeting you online, sir. Wonderful. Yeah. The classes are Thank rich you, and sir. excellent. So, so glad to have you as an online student. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, sir. So here's my question. As we know in first Timothy chapter three, it says that an overseer must be above reproach. My question is, how does this balance out with Proverbs chapter six? Proverbs, I'm oh, sorry. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 32 and 33, where it says um, something along the lines of someone who commits idolatry, idolatry, the reproach will never leave them. Got it. Yes. Yeah, so the question, in, in other words, in other words, uh, the, the question is, um, <clears throat> if someone commits adultery, are they then disqualified for life uh, because the reproach never leaves them? Whereas First Timothy three says an elder must be above reproach. Uh, it's yeah. a great question to ask, and it does talk about the weight of adultery and how it, it does stain one's reputation. What I would say is is this, sir: to be above reproach is speaking of ongoing conduct, lifestyle, history, who you are. Right. So 
if you, let's say you're you're a leader and you commit adultery, and you you go to the other leaders and you confess what you've done, you go to your spouse, you go to the other leaders, you confess what you've done, uh, you step down for a period of time, uh, both as a sign of godly discipline, and for the purpose of restoration, and let's say it's two years later, you you've been humble, you've been godly, you've been working a job, honoring your family. And now, little by little, begin to get restored to ministry. Yet there's a reproach. What Proverbs 6 is speaking of is true. That's always on your resume. That's part of your story. But I believe that you can be above reproach in terms of, okay, you handle this righteously. You handle this in a godly way. You handle this in a way that honors the Lord. And that now, you're, because you handled it rightly, it makes you above reproach. So the two are true at the same time, that there is that stigma that this happened in the past, and it's part of your resume. And when you preach, you say, hey, look, I messed up, and, 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 and here's the pain it brought on everyone and, and the consequences of it that I live with to this day, but I, I know that God's merciful and gracious, and the way that we handle it is such, the integrity and the honor of it, that it is above reproach, and therefore someone can be restored to ministry even who has committed adultery or committed adultery before they were in ministry. I I believe they certainly can. So, Christian, great question, and keep enjoying the current class. I look forward to meeting you online in uh, in our next Fire School of Ministry Zoom session. Uh, Thanks so much for the call. All right. 866-342. Listen, friends, when we did our first Zoom session uh, with our online students, uh, I was reminded, and our academic team, we were reminded of how amazing the classes are. Because the students just like blown away by the quality of the class. Like, man, wait till you take more of them. So check it out today. Find out. Fireschoolofministry.com. Classes for me, my colleagues, life-changing friends. Absolutely life-changing. We'll be right back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the Line of Fire, 866-34-TRUTH. Uh, we go to Joseph in Tacoa, Georgia. Thanks for calling the line of fire. Hello, Dr. Brown. It's uh, great to hear your voice, and I'm so thankful for the line of fire, especially um, this day and age and, and being able to connect with people and Christians and fellowship together. Um, great, great to I have a you. question Yeah. Um, about just neglecting meeting together from Hebrews 10.25 um, in the context of kind of what we're facing. Um, what are your thoughts on the church not meeting on Sunday morning, you know, going to purely online forms of meeting um, where you're, you know, sermon casting and um, or doing those kinds of things? Um, do you feel like that is a, a wise decision? Do you feel like that is we're lacking faith if, if we choose to do that? instead of going out and serving in hospitals and, and doing these kinds of things. Yeah, so Hebrews ten twenty five about not assembling the forsaking of ourselves together. Uh, not forsaking, excuse me, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Uh, so uh, first, that's, that's the general pattern. In other words, don't isolate yourself. 
uh, gathered together. That could be house meetings. That could be small groups. That could be large corporate meetings. So that's our habit, and that's, that's how we live, and that's what we seek to do, and it's important. There are times when we can't. There are natural disasters because of which you, you can't meet together. Uh, if, you're, if you're physically sick and you're going to get others sick, if you go, you don't meet together. So this is just a general exhortation as opposed to an order. You know, and if you have a few months where, you, where you're meeting in different settings and formats, so you, you fellowship in different ways. You, you gather together in different ways. That's perfectly fine. I'm, I'm looking at it in a very simple way, that uh, on the one hand, I'm trusting God and his faithfulness and his grace, and then I'm see- seeking to act by, w- by wisdom, which is what the book of Proverbs is filled with, is wisdom, 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 how to live and, and how to preserve your life. So when you see danger, uh, you avoid it, right? You, you see there's a tornado here. You don't drive into it. You drive away from it. So uh, being pragmatic, being wise, that's, that's part of what God uh, calls us to do. So in this case, uh, my policy has been that if the invitation is still there, like I had a college event, drove a couple hours for, uh, to get to last night, as long as it was still on, I went. Uh, event for tonight got canceled. Sunday morning, I'm scheduled to speak at our home congregation fire. Uh, the event is on. I'll be there. Uh, so if others make a decision, flights are canceled, you can't gather over 100 people, you can't do this, then I submit to the authorities. And, and it's nothing to do with faith on my end. It's just like wearing a seatbelt. It's just the law, and you do it. And, and normally the laws are there for wise reasons. So don't look at it as a lack of faith. If we don't gather, uh, I just talked to a pastor today, and he plans on gathering. I said, hey, was, if you feel to do it and your local government has not forbidden it, fine. Uh, but if you feel it's not wise or it's just it's best or maybe tell older people to stay back or whatever, let's use a lot of wisdom here. This is a life and death situation. Uh, right now, it seems that the virus is 10 times more deadly than the common flu with real potential of a massive outbreak across the country. So we, we need to use a lot of wisdom. But the key thing is not to fall into fear in any way, to, to walk in faith and confidence in God, uh, knowing that he's got our back in that respect. And if we live, if we die, uh, we're his. So thank you for the question. I appreciate it. 866-34-TRUTH. We go to Mike in Bourbonnet, Illinois. Welcome to the line of fire. Oh, hello, Dr. Brown. How are you? Doing well. Thank you. I pray you're healthy. Yeah, by God's grace. Thank you. Me too. Um, said one really, uh, I'm trying to make this as direct a question as possible. I don't so many thoughts to, you know, gather. But in my personal studies, um, you know, kind of like when I read your book uh, 18 years ago, I think it was, Andrew Stain with Blood. Um, mm-hmm. I'm at a place in my life where I can no longer uh, assert the Christian witness, if that makes sense. And I see the New Testament as completely 110% Jewish, and it was Jews who loved Jewish people. And you get to Ignatius of Antioch, he he starts an entirely different belief. And uh, it was called Christianity. It was the first time the term Christianity ever even came into play in my studies. I, now, how do we reconcile that anymore? How do I? 
Yeah, so so a couple really a couple things. Mike. It, and it's just kind of like this thing that came up and you know, because of nineteen forty eight and before that. But before right. that it was just totally anti Semitic and you know. Well John Hurrah against the Messiah. Yeah, so so the first so, thing, Mike the first the first thing is that we recognize that what God did in, in, in Jesus was to bring Jew and Gentile together in him without Gentiles becoming Jews or Jews becoming Gentiles. So that was God's original intent. God never called the Gentile Christian world to convert to Judaism or live as Jews. And he certainly did not call the Jews that followed Jesus to live as Gentiles. So the ideal is for Jewish and Gentile followers of Jesus to live side by side even if you have certain practices that may be different or certain dietary customs that may be different, that a Jew can be a Jew and follow Jesus and a Gentile can be a Gentile and follow Jesus, but that we bring the message of Yeshua to the whole world because without him, no one can be saved, no Jew, no Gentile. We also recognize that, yeah, the church definitely went in some wrong directions to develop into a new religion that cut itself off from its Jewish roots. Now, it's not always been totally anti-Semitic, sir. There have been great lovers of Israel and the Jewish people through church history. Um, But I would encourage you to to recognize that the vast majority of evangelical Christians believe in God's ongoing purposes for Israel, pray for the Jewish people to be saved, and recognize that God has not forsaken or abandoned them, and recognize their Jewish roots of the faith. It's just a matter of recovering some of the Jewish roots. I, I see things in a better direction now than when I wrote the, the first edition of the book. On the one hand, there's horrific anti-Semitism, sir, that's out there uh, in the name of Jesus, and it's, it's rising again, and it's ugly, and it it's, must be utterly denounced. But at the same time, there's much more understanding of the church today about Jewish roots of the faith, about recognizing Messianic Jewish congregations, about seeing the prophetic significance of the biblical calendar, far more of that today than when I got saved almost 50 years ago. So I feel like positive progress is being made. And rather than writing the whole thing off, just recognize that God's working through flawed human beings like you and me, and that uh, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, another thing is the uh, Church Fathers Jerome of the Nazarene's heritage. In uh, Panarian, I think it was 75 or 29. Uh, I, I'm not familiar with uh, Jerome's, you know, Panarians, but, you know... Yeah, yeah they, they made some yeah, real mistakes. In, in other words, from what we know, the Nazarenes would have been like Messianic Jews today. In other words, they held to an Orthodox faith. They recognized yeah, rightly who Jesus Yeshua was. And they continued... The yeah, they continued to live as Jews. Uh, and that was scandalous to some of the fathers. That shows how far things had gone from the beginning. But it doesn't, it doesn't mean that these people themselves didn't know the Lord. It just meant that they misjudged other parts of the body. So we don't want to reciprocate by now misjudging the, the early church leaders as if they weren't Christian. What we want to recognize is well, that... I, let me clarify. Yeah. First three centuries of Christendom, you cannot sit there and say, well, those people, you know, no. They were persecuted. Persecutions got worse. Mm-hmm. I have nothing but a respect for that. And, uh, you know, you die for that cause. That is amazing. But you're dying for a Jew. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, 
going to an Israel heaven, you know, where there's 12 gates, 12 messengers, 12 tribes of Israel, you know, and uh, that's, you know. Yeah, so you're just, you're just struggling with, with church history as it goes on. But, but look, here, here's, here's what I appreciate, and, and I'm almost out of time, sir, but I appreciate the call. Look, number one, you recognize that Ignatius and Jerome and these different ones were genuine followers of Jesus and, and often suffered greatly for their faith to the point of martyrdom. Uh, and yet separated themselves from the Jewish roots of the faith in ways that were unhealthy that led to ultimate persecution of the Jews in Jesus' name and butchering of Jews in Jesus' name that that these things led to it. So let's repudiate the wrong theology of supersessionism, replacement theology. Let's repudiate that. Let's affirm God's eternal purposes for Israel. Let's join together to say that salvation comes to Jew and Gentile only through Jesus the Messiah. There's no salvation outside of him. And then let's do our best to help the church recognize where it made mistakes in the past, reach out to the Jewish community with a full holistic message, and say, yes, you're putting your faith in the one who was born king of the Jews, died king of the Jews, rose king of the Jews, and will return king of the Jews. Hey, Mike, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. All right, friends, uh, we are out of time. If you don't have my book, Our Hands Are Stained With Blood, the new edition came out a few months ago. You'll find it to be one of the most eye-opening books you've ever read. Trust me. You start that first chapter, you won't be able to put the book down. You'll want to put it down, but you won't be able to. I think you'll find it incredibly eye-opening. All right, five hours from now, join me for a special Facebook Live event. Ask Dr. Brown on the Facebook page. 9 p.m. Eastern Time as we talk about the coronavirus in a biblical perspective.